your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. Lacrosse Talk PM is sponsored by It's a Dog's World Grooming, Boarding, and Daycare in Non Alaska. There we go. Put those in the wrong order. All right. Welcome to Lacrosse Talk PM, sponsored by It's a Bo- It's a Dog's World. All right. I uh, no time to waste here. I have three guests coming on, and the first one is already on the phone, and he's in Milwaukee, and he's he's been studying and. I don't know, uh, cramming for a debate tomorrow, just like Ron Johnson and Mandela Barnes are probably doing. They probably got their their computers, laptops out, and their phones out, and, and textbooks and dictionaries. Uh, Brad Williams on the phone with me. Brad, uh, do, do you get any time to yourself out there for two days while you're, you're getting ready for this debate between Mandela Barnes and Senator Ron Johnson? We're going to get a little time, but uh, this is uh, the... Uh, PB, um, Wisconsin Broadcasters Association sponsoring the debate. I'm at the Milwaukee PBS studios, which is where the debate is going to be coming from tomorrow night, and you can hear it on Wisdom. It'll also be uh, available on video, of course, uh, and uh, I think Channel 8 is uh, showing it. But uh, we are uh, the question team and the data team to uh, put together the questions for this debate. I'm one of the uh, panelists who's going to be involved in the debate here tomorrow night. So we are involved in two days of prep work building up to tomorrow night's debate. Now there's going to be five or six panelists. Uh, Mendel, is it going to, do you know the format of the way we're going to ask questions and how those two would answer? <laughs> right, yes. Yeah. So it's going to be, uh, we, we had a practice session in the studio. It, it'll be... They'll take uh, the panelists in a certain order, and then we'll ask a question, and uh, one candidate will get to uh, answer first, and then the other candidate will answer second, and then they'll switch the order for the next question, and, okay. and so it'll go on that way for the hour. All right. Well, it's pretty pretty basic then. I just I always wonder, like, how many times do they get to rebut because you could almost ask one question and never get to question number two. Yeah, no, 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 the uh, the moderator, Jill Geisler, who's a, a veteran of Milwaukee television, is going to keep them on kind of a short leash on that. We, we, we practiced that. There were a couple of people uh, filling in for the candidates in our, our practice session, and they were, they were having a good time trying to uh, play candidates like, oh, no, you can't say that. And, and we were asking them... Uh, you know what? What's your favorite ice cream flavor and that sort of thing? How and are they their? Said, no, no, pumpkin's are, better than apple. <laughs> how are their impersonations of Ron Johnson and Mandela Barnes? Oh, they were just being candidates. Okay, they didn't. Just, they didn't impersonate. We can't do impersonations. All right. Do you have your outfit picked out for tomorrow? Uh, I think so. <laughs> it's it's going to be a standard, you know, TV TV news person. Yeah, sort of suit and tie. So. Maybe a, like a, lot, a fluorescent orange suit so you really stick out? Uh, yeah, they, I don't think they'd invite me back if I did that. <laughs> uh, how does the PBS studio compare to the Wisdom studio? Uh, well, it's it's a bit chillier. I think they keep the uh, air conditioning on because of all those hot lights and that sort of thing. You know, uh, they, they always complain, like on David Letterman, always used to have a chilly studio, so... It's a, a television tradition, I think, but the, it, this is a very nice place here to uh, to do broadcasting. So nice, nicer than Wisdom. I see what you're saying. Now, are they? Well, well they got you... they. I think they have maybe more money than we do. 
<laughs> now, are you uh, getting? They have pledge drive. Are you getting driven around way. in limousines? And are you ready for your red carpet? I, I don't even know. It probably it wouldn't even be your red carpet debut when you walk into this in, they, into this thing tomorrow. They they might have a red carpet for the candidates, but not for the uh, questioners. You guys are so. al- almost as important as the candidates. You guys are asking the questions. Well. Well, you know, this is this is real life. This is politics. Do you have so. do you have any anything in the back of your head? You know, this is the question I want to ask, or this is the subject. We, I, we I don't want to divulge. Planning pretty well, but we're we're going to watch uh, what is coming out in the news, and there are a couple of things that have turned up in the news today that we're going to maybe try to fit into the questioning tomorrow. Yeah, like the Biden legalization of marijuana, but I don't want to give anyone anything away. You know, Ron and Mandela are listening, so we don't we can't give them any clues. I bet right. I, you you're, know. No, you're just guessing what what might be a topic. So right, that's right. that's perfectly in line yeah. for you. You're I can not guess, here. and you know, like, but marijuana and abortion, I bet doesn't come up at all. No, I'm just kidding. Um, all right, right, right. All right, Brad. Well, have fun. I guess you have like a 12 hour day ahead of you tomorrow uh, because you're going to start studying at 9 a.m. for this thing, huh? Yeah, we well studying and deciding and how should we ask this question and what should we do and you know it's yeah. like and are you really going to wear that that sort of thing? <laughs> yeah, everyone's going to ask you that one. All right, thanks, Brad. Okay, okay. Coming up next because I had to get Brad on here quick. Coming up next, uh, Jesse Martinez, the Lacrosse Education Association president. We're going to talk to him, and then after that, Ryan Hipsch, who's running for assembly in the 94th district, the Steve Doyle district. Ryan Hipsch, a Republican in the race. We'll talk to him at the bottom half of the hour. We'll be back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. No time to waste. 608-785-7914 is the text line if you want to shoot me a text. Jesse Martinez is on with me now. I'm rolling through guests, Jesse, today. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Rick? I'm good. Jesse is the Lacrosse Education Association president, uh, easier known as the Lacrosse Teachers Union president here. And uh, you've been doing that. Uh, this is your first term, right? Your first term at that job. How's it? How's it been going so far? It's been good. I mean, I took over in May, like at the end of the school year. So I had the summer to kind of get my feet wet with with everything. And now doing it full time as a full time teacher has been a new ball game. Because I'm still teaching full time, and then doing the, this president stuff on the side, so it's been an adjustment, but it's been going well. It's been going well. Yeah, I guess uh, you're a month into, uh, essentially, a month into the school year, and now as your, you know, this other job you have, and I'll just say, uh, Jesse is the Logan Middle School teacher, seventh grade science teacher in social studies and Spanish immersion, which is uh, always something confusing. When I just say that, nobody knows what it means. So you're gonna have to explain it every time you come on, Jesse. I'm happy to do that. That means I teach science and social studies in Spanish. Okay. Sounds perfect. That was, I guess I'll just write that down. So next time I don't, it's, uh, I didn't even know that. See, in my head, I watch this TV show where they do, uh, and then we've talked about this before, where they do half, like they say the sentence in Spanish and then they say the sentence in English so that, I don't know, it's a way of learning the language and maybe a, just a, a barrier there because they have, it's probably a big city thing. It, it, it may be. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, so no, Spanish version is fun. Um, all right. So a couple of things. I, you know, I'm going to have John Havlicek on in a week. He was the old teachers union president. He yeah. he was at the school board meeting on Monday talking about yeah. teachers not getting all the respect that they want. Um, but we have we have two big issues in lacrosse. It's the obviously the lacrosse school district's got a referendum on the ballot to build a new high school. 
Um, but the other issue is, you know, we've talked about it quite a bit. Uh, the, the the fact that you didn't get the raise, teachers didn't get the raise that they wanted a year at, a year or two. Is it a year or two after the raise? You didn't get a raise at all. So every two um, years in, you do this. At the height of the pandemic, we got a zero percent salary increase. The year after that, they met the CPIU, which was about one point two percent. And then this year, um, the CPIU was four point seven percent. They imposed a two percent salary increase on us which essentially means that we lost 2.7% spending power with our paychecks for the school year. Right, and then not counting, you know, no raise during the pandemic. And then, of course, they were right. very happy to give you a one-point whatever uh, the CPIU. That, that, and that sure. that term is like the – it's the the rule that the – it's like an inflation term, right? And it's like whatever right. that is is the only – is the highest amount that teachers can ask for in, in terms of a pay raise. Right. Essentially, right. it measures – inf- But to be clear, to be clear – if school districts want to, they can give more than that, right? Like, that would be a true raise, giving the CPIU plus something else. Right? Oh, they can go over um, the CPIU? Um, they can. And so, like, for example, if you look at the salary schedule, they can give us the CPIU and then move us to the next spot down on the salary schedule so that we're getting a bump in that. But that is always at the discretion of the school district. Okay. There is no, there's nothing that says that they have to do that. And, in fact... We have not had a, um, a, a bump on our salary schedule for teachers um, since the last one that we didn't pay for with our own benefits money um, was in 2016. In 2018, they took a benefit away from us, and then instead of giving us the benefit of our long-term care insurance, they used the money that they usually use to pay for that benefit to move us down. Okay. Um, so, yeah, you're... you're- I feel like we all we might all feel like Havlicek was talking about the other day and not feeling respected. Um, and, and this is I don't know. Does this does this end up escalating at all if, down the road? I mean, what happens? What happens now? I mean, obviously you're well, teaching and everything's going going okay, but like what what's next? Well, so so what needs to happen and what is happening, which is really a positive thing, is that we are involved in discussions with the school district about how to reduce teacher workload, how to ensure that when budget decisions are made, everybody is involved in that process. We're having those conversations with the district currently. Um, and, and we need to continue to, to have conversations with the school board, have conversations with district administration, and make sure that they know that we are feeling overwhelmed. We are feeling like we do not have the time that we need to do our jobs effectively. And so we need to make sure we're looking at ways to, make, to, to give teachers the time that they need to do their jobs effectively. Yeah, because th- that's all you have is time, and then you, if you're running out of it, then the, the, the you know it's it's tough on you and it's neglect to the to the students. Um, exactly. Now we talk about this a lot. The, the school district isn't doing this, isn't doing that. Well, they're probably hamstrung a little bit. I don't want to make an excuse for the school district, but I I, I might. I I don't know, I, and I could be wrong about how things work. But is the school district hamstrung about uh, on on how to do stuff like this because of the state? Does the state have well, a role, a big role in in maybe your that, raises? That well, that's certainly a big part of it, right? The state provides funding to public schools in our state, and the amount of funding that they get makes up a large part of the budget that we have to work with within a school district. Um, So, for example, we get money per pupil, right? So per pupil that is in the district, we get a certain amount of money from the state. The other part of our funding comes from property taxes. Um, And so um, if we don't raise taxes on folks, 
then we have to hope that the state will raise the per-pupil limit that they're going to provide or find a new way to fund schools in a way that is sufficient. Right, and that would be the dream, right? The last part of that, just fund schools in a way that, you know, like, uh, I think across the board would be just like even, like, make it even, because property taxes are obviously way different uh, from one community to the next. Correct. so okay, but we have an we have an election coming in in about a month, and mm-hmm. um, this is going to be a big issue on, on the ballot. I think. Do you? What do you look for in somebody that's running as as the teachers union president? I'm sure you have teachers that go well, like this is these are the things these are the things we need to look for from a candidate that's going to help teachers. Right. Well, well, what we look for as teachers when we are looking at candidates that we want to support and we want to vote for, we're looking for teachers who are going to support our public schools, right? We want to make sure that we're electing folks that are going to make sure that funding is fair. We're going to make sure that we're electing folks who will look at creative ways to make sure that funding is increased, right? Like right now, we are not funding special education at the promised level, which means that the state is not reimbursing the, the schools in our state at a rate that actually compensates them for the services for students with special education needs. Um, we are also sitting on this huge budget deficit as a state. And Surplus. we want to make sure... Sh- Sorry, what was that? Surplus. Did I say deficit? Yep. Sorry, we're sitting <laughs> on a huge budget surplus. I'm thinking of the school district, which is sitting on a huge budget deficit. Right. But the state is sitting on a huge budget surplus. Um, that we're not doing anything. With. Now, now, we want to make sure that candidates want to use that money to help schools pay for the resources that they need to be successful. Now, when you say sitting on a budget surplus, do you think like Uncle Scrooge from DuckTales in the money bin and he, Uncle Scrooge gets to swim through the money bin? Is this too old of a cartoon reference for you? I, I know I know what you're saying. Um, it's been a long time since <laughs> I've watched that. Oh, it's on um, Disney. I was very, I think, I was, I think, not to rub it in, Rick, but I was very young when, <laughs> that, very when young. that was out. I know. I was very <laughs> I was very young when that was out. But I could sing you the theme song if you want, but I won't do it to you. Um, but, yeah, essentially I just think of, like, the, the capital is sitting on this big pile of $5 billion. Like, under the pi- under the capital, it's moved – it's raised like uh, like the sea level is going up, but it's not sea. It's, right. it's a pile of money that keeps growing because it was $3 billion in February. Now it's about $5 billion, um, and we're not going to do anything with it. And meanwhile, you guys get a you know a 2.7% pay cut, essentially. Essentially, right. So we want to look – what we're looking for in candidates are candidates who are willing to talk about getting creative to make sure that our public schools are funded. That's right. what we're looking for. Creative seems uh, very broad. Do you have any creative ideas? I mean, the the most simple, like, without even getting creative. Right? <laughs> now you don't well, want to be one creative. Way that we don't even have to get creative is use that budget surplus to make sure that our public schools get an infusion of money that can really help them meeting students' needs and making sure that educators feel valued. Yeah, because because a very a very basic, not very creative, but somewhat creative one would be Jesse just have a cookie sale. Raise money that way. Uh, Sell some cookies. Well, <laughs> well, that is that is definitely something that has been pushed on us. And that the problem is, right, there's not an equitable access to doing those things, right? If you work in a really low-income area, you're not going to sell a whole lot of cookies and you're not going to raise a whole lot of money. <laughs> well, on top of that, it's just... If you're in a really, really wealthy area, you're probably going to sell a whole bunch of cookies and raise a whole lot of money. Well, on top and of that... that I, know, I know this is maybe controversial to say... But I don't think cookie sales should be what funds our public schools. Fair enough. On top of that, it takes time to make cookies and then, A, sit out there and sell cookies. And we're talking about well, time right. here, time and money. 
So like how right. much is how much is a teacher's time worth is, is essentially what we're getting at. Um, all right. Exactly. I want to just change. We've got a couple minutes here. I was change the subject a little bit. Um, last year during the school board meetings, and I don't know how many of them you went to, but a couple of different times. Oh, so no. when we get kids involved in school board meetings at public comments, that should be like a, I don't know if it's a red flag, but sirens should be going off. Wow. Kids are getting involved in school board meetings. And these weren't like the in the greatest of ways. There might have I didn't see you tell me kids probably maybe came to school board meetings with good news, but they talked about mental health. Um, there's a mental health crisis. Uh, mm-hmm. We need help with mental health. Has the school district done anything, or what would you like to see the school district do to you know so, appease those kids that that brought this up at multiple school board meetings? So to the school board's credit, they did um, go to the high schools and have conversations with students who wanted to have conversations about mental health. They used ESSER money to invest in some different programs, which I don't know off the top of my head at this particular moment, to to support student mental health. Um, The fact of the matter, again, comes back to funding. The the money that they use to invest in in mental health services is one-time funds, right? That money runs out. It's not a renewable resource. And so it's prioritized and find ways to pay for those things. All right, we lost you there the last five seconds. Uh, Basically... It comes back to funding. Right? Yeah. We cannot continue to depend on one-time funds to pay for absolute necessities in our schools. All right. I don't know if this is something that you would deal with, but and I don't know if it's an issue yet, but can you, you know, at some point just shoot me a text or let me know who I need to talk to uh, in terms of we're talking about money again. Uh, school lunch, like this is another one-time thing that the, the federal government did help help kids pay for the school lunch and breakfast last year. It ended at the end of the year last year. Um, didn't get renewed. I think the, I think the feds used, a um, some kind of budget, budget so loophole. What happened was the, the federal government gave the USDA, um, a waiver or a, a, the, the, the authority to create a waiver that would waive the fees for school lunches and be paid for by the federal government. Yeah. Again, this, that is one time funding, Right. So who do you need to talk to? You need to talk to your representatives in Congress. You need to talk to the Congress people from Wisconsin, and you need to talk to the senators from Wisconsin. Those are the folks that can make this something that's accessible across our entire country. All right, and I suppose the state could do something here. What I was getting at is uh, when we don't we don't want as nice it is as nice as it is we don't want the beer by bike brigade to have to pay for school lunch program exactly. de- school lunch exactly. deficits, right? And I don't know. And, if, and don't get me wrong, we appreciate that a ton, but it shouldn't be something that we need to do. Yeah, um, people drinking beer and riding bikes don't need to pay for children's school lunches. We should all be pitching in there, and we could just do that, uh, you know, universally. Um, all right, Jesse, I'll let you go. I really appreciate you spending some time with us, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Rick. I appreciate it. All right, bye. That was Jesse Martinez, the Lacrosse Education Association president. All right, we're we're running them through. Coming up next, Ryan Hipsch, the candidate for the 94th Assembly District. He's the Republican running in the race against Democrat Steve Doyle, the incumbent. We'll be back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the text line, and I'm not even going to have time to look at the text line, but I like to answer them after the, after the fact. But Ryan Hipsch is on with me. He's a Republican running for assembly in the 94th district. So I like to call that, Ryan, I like to just call that the greater lacrosse district but nor, or the right. greater north lacrosse district, essentially. Um, how are you? 
Good. I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me, Rick. And actually, I forgot to tell you, as soon as we got off the phone, my, my tire popped. So I was dealing with that for the last 10 minutes. <laughs> oh, good. You're, so you're sitting on this. Was it in your driveway or were you down there? It's like, in my driveway. I, I oh. got it into the driveway and we're good. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's, yeah, that's a relief because, yeah, it sucks well, when rattled. you... I always, I never, I always feel guilty too when I drive by somebody that is in that situation and it's just like one person and I'm like, ah, eh, they can handle it. But if it was, you know, if it was somebody that you, you could tell if it was like an older person or something, I, I probably would feel obligated to pull over and help. So, you know, as a politician, you got to say, I help everybody uh, when I see tires right. popped, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, I will bring this up. October 19th, 2.30 p.m., UW-Lacrosse. I don't. I, I feel like people will be able to, to, to log in and watch this. Uh, you are debating yeah. Steve Doyle for the 94th Assembly. Uh, that is happening. Are you going to watch tomorrow's Senate debate between Ron Johnson and Mandela Barnes? Are you going to like frantically take notes? Okay, how how does how do these guys do it? No, <laughs> that's a good question. Actually, uh, you know that's going to be a bunch of different questions than what what we're going to have. I'm guessing, but um, that's going to be interesting to see. Uh, Mandela and Ron Johnson, two very very polarizing candidates. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, they're almost as if you could put two people as completely opposite of each other. I would say that that and maybe in the in in any race anywhere, those two might be it. Um, right. All right. I didn't do this. I want to do a real quick intro. You were you were born in Alaska. You went to West Salem High School, then to Western Tech before transferring to UW Lacrosse. You graduated with a poli sci degree, poli sci in public education. Um, and now you live in Onalaska, I believe, and you've worked for yep. a couple of state senators, Scott Fitzgerald and Eric Wimberger, and uh, you helped Dan Kapanke on his can- uh, Senate campaign a couple years ago. Um, and yep. you, you, you must have some side hustles going on at different businesses. <laughs> I've been working in small businesses around here every year except when I was doing those few things. So other than two years out of my life, I've been here in the, in the Cooley region working in small businesses. And actually, my first job was when I was 14 at Drugan's, I was a cart boy, and that was fun. I was making like four four twenty five an hour, which that will tell you what that'll teach you some things. <laughs> um, all right, so a very easy general. I don't even know if it's easy, but a very general question: When if you were elected to the state assembly, like what would your, you know, let's just do top three priorities. Do you have like a top? These are the top three things I would like to to work on. Well, yeah, and, and I'll kind of go into why I'm running too, and and it, it, I'll, I'll say I'm running because I. I look at what's happening in Wisconsin, and I know we can do better. I mean, we everyone can look at what the government is doing either on Madison or in D.C., and we all know we can do better. Our economy is in recession. Inflation is crushing families. Crime rates are flying, and it's getting crazier, um, and it's just getting more violent. Uh, parents are concerned what their kids are being taught, so uh, we can go into a bunch of other issues, too, but, and you know, I'll, before you ask, I'll be the first to tell you I, I don't have all the answers, <laughs> but I, I do I do think I have fresh ideas, and I, I think I have an energy to work with others to change the direction we're headed. So, and I would say, economy fixing the economy, making sure our small businesses are are back on their feet after the last couple of years, which has been just detrimental to them. And education is going to be a top priority for me. Uh, and and we can go into a bunch of smaller things into that, but I, those are the biggest ones I've seen and I'm hearing door to door. All right. So when you say the government, I had to laugh a little bit because you say what, what the yeah. government is doing right now, whether it's federally or statewide, um, I always laugh because I like to bring this up maybe well, at least once a week. Um, our, our legislature has been out of session since March. And they're not scheduled back in session until January. 
Um, I, you know, and, and maybe that happens every two years so that they can, can, they can campaign. And it's not like they're not doing anything, but I would love to see right. the state legislature not right before they go out of session in March, pass, try to pass a hundred bills and then, <laughs> and then call it quits for the, the, I don't know. What, what is your take on that? Cause it just seems a little ludicrous to take a 10 month sort of 10 month vacation. And no, and I, I agree. And and I'll say it is a little frustrating to see it, just the naked eye on on that they're not doing anything in session. Now, I will say, from working within the Capitol, I will tell you they are working uh, nearly every single day on on things in their in their district, working with constituents. Mm-hmm. But they also have a long history of adjourning before campaign season, and that, and that's to avoid passing policies or, or spending money in an effort to buy votes. Which you know we've been seeing in a couple other places. You know whether it's Governor Evers who has a ton of money from ARPA funds, and all of a sudden he's waited until now to start spending that, which is a little frustrating as well. Um, but I believe the legislature could stay in session longer in an election year without getting too close to the temptations of election season. But I, I also know the legislators continue throughout the summer and fall election um, year on task forces and committees. So yeah. uh, that's where I'm at on that. Yeah, that yeah, that makes a lot of sense, too. Uh, I will say that it, it, you're, you're right. They probably shouldn't be passing laws right before an election. But also, right. when the, when Governor Walker lost last election, then they came back in session and passed a whole bunch of laws. So, like, what, what you know what I mean? Right. I, so, I get that 100%. And also, they passed... Okay, so let's just do this. There's a budget surplus. There's $5 billion budget surplus. In January and February, it was like $3 billion. It's It's ballooned to $5 billion in August. I don't even yeah. know what the estimates would be now. Um, the legislature has opted not to do anything with this. Governor Evers has... In January, he put put out a plan. I think a couple weeks ago, he put out a plan. Um, but we're just mm-hmm. we're sitting on this, and I, we I made a joke about it uh, in an earlier segment here that we're just the Capitol is sitting on a pile of five billion dollars. Um, what do you <laughs> think the state legislature should have done or should be doing with a giant five billion dollars? Right, it's, it's insane. Five billion, and, and I think actually I think it will be going up a little bit more um, from what I heard in Madison. But I mean, it, they're sitting on five billion dollars surplus. That, that's about $900 for every man, woman, and child in Wisconsin. Now that's, now, that's not Madison's money. It's the taxpayers. At a time when families are struggling to pay for rent, groceries. I mean, I talked to a family just the other day who decided they have to decide week to week whether they're going to pay for groceries or gas. Like the best, play for, best place, I would say, for the taxpayer money is in, in, in their pockets. I, I just met with some of the other business people in on Alaska, and their biggest concern was finding and, and keeping good quality workers, or getting even their even their staff licensing, which has been a major issue in Madison too. So I think we need to get government agencies back to work, get them out of the way, and help let industries license their professionals without government providing oversight and discipline, but also taxes that penalize productivity. Like the personal property tax, we need to eliminate that immediately. I think that is going to be a, a top priority going into the next session. And, and I think we can talk about working on the income tax, too. And I, I've heard flat income tax being floated around, and I, I'm, I'm looking forward to working with that. So let's remove the regulatory and tax burden from our small businesses, and, and let's watch how this economy recovers. Do you do you want a flat income tax, or do you have the, – the way the income tax is structured here, it's, it's cool – it, it it goes it goes incrementally until you get like to pretty rich people and then there's a giant gap where I feel like you right. we could increment it a lot more than that but a flat income tax is kind of the opposite thinking there and, and I guess I, I I would disagree but I I would say yeah I think I think a flat income tax is is 
It looks good. I would say, I think, in, and I forgot what they were talking, I think it was about 3.54, and you might know better than I, but I think that was the discussion being had by some of our gubernatorial candidates. But I, I think a flat income tax would really, really help this economy get back on track. Okay, you don't think a flat income tax benefits people that are I mean, making $200,000 a year more than somebody that's making 22000 and a lot of those are small business owners too. And and you know what what's that? I think is a Ferris Bueller um, where they talk about trickle down economics. Yeah, I, I think I think that I think it will benefit everyone. Okay. Um, all right. Let's see. Oh, you mentioned with the budget surplus, five billion dollars. You said it'd be about nine hundred bucks uh, per person, essentially, whether Probably. that person is eighty or four months old. Um, and I don't know. I didn't do the math, <laughs> but maybe if you if you did it, w- would you say like we should just have wrote $900 checks? That's, I mean, I think that's been floated around before, hasn't it? I think with both Governor Walker and Governor Evers. Um, I don't know exactly, and I, like I said before, I don't have all the answers, and I'll be the first to tell you that, but let's let's explore some of that. Let's make sure we get this money back into the taxpayer's pocket. Yeah. And and like I said, yeah, yeah go ahead. Sorry. No, I, like Scott Walker, uh, four yeah. years ago, almost to, about four years and a month ago, Hundred dollar checks per child tax credit. You remember that? <laughs> I remember so, that. Yeah, so remember every that, yeah. every parent that had a kid eighteen and under got a hundred dollar check. About I think around back August to, time. Um, back to school, I think. Yeah, yeah. and that, and he was at. I always make fun of uh, the fact that he stood at the airport with a Spider Man backpack and talked about hundred dollars for shoes and clothes and notebooks. And I'm like, well, a hundred dollars will give you shoes. But either way, the legislature passed a tax a, a nope. checks to parents four years ago. Uh, Evers floated $150 checks, and the legislature gaveled in and out of a special session. That's the 11th time. Now, that wasn't it, but the 11th, the 11 times the, the legislature has gaveled in and out of special session. So Evers did propose uh, giving, giving money back back in January for this. Yeah, no, and I agree. And, and going on that legislature, you know, gaveling in and out, whether you know, you've seen this how many times now, I think it just happened this last week, too. Yeah, this week, yeah. Um, but 11, I, I would, no, it's yeah, 11 but, times, uh, Ryan. It's happened 11 times in his four years. In, in Governor Evers' term? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and, and I would say... I would say to that, there's a lot of unfortunate political ploys that I would say from the governor, and and I would say let's look at it both ways. I would say the legislature, why aren't we having discussions with each other? We we completely have just not even started talking. I mean, they don't even come to the table. Democrats mm-hmm. or Republicans down in Madison just do not come to the table together, and that's unfortunate. But also on the other side, it, these are obvious political ploys, and and that's unfortunate that you know we see the legislature being used like that. And the legislature is a separate branch of government, and they can and they should be able to do what the elected representatives of their constituents want. So when the legislature disagrees with a special session called by the governor, and if they pull it and perceive it as a political stunt rather than serious public policy, there's no reason for them to go through the expense of convening the body simply to play political games, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I would say some of those are pandering to to the to the politics, to uh, his base, right. uh, you know, if you want to do the, you know, but like, also, like he's done it in different ways. So some of them, right. you know, I can see gavel in and out, and then the the legislature can convene and, and pass similar ideas. But um, yep. other ones like updating the unemployment system, or let's oh. do something with a billion billions of dollars in budget surplus. But you know, like if you're going to gavel in and out of that, then meet back in session and do your own thing. But we haven't seen that either. Right, right, and and that's something I look to really tackle. I mean. I was when I was working in the Capitol, the unemployment issue was insane, and it was just criminally 
poorly handed handed um um and it was just unfortunate to see how badly it was helped. And we've transferred from the unemployment issue to licensing issues, and, and government just does not work well right now. And we need to fix that. We need to make sure that we give them the, the resources that they need, but we also need to make sure that they're held accountable for not doing good work. All right, that's Ryan Hipp. She is running for the 94th Assembly District, the I like to say the greater lacrosse or greater northern <laughs> lacrosse area. Uh, he's running against Steve, he's running against Steve Doyle. Uh, October nineteenth will be a debate. So let's see, that's a couple of weeks away. I'm I'm probably, you know what? After the debate, I'll probably try to have you on again, Ryan. Thanks so much. Awesome. Thanks, Rick. All right. See ya. Yeah, bye. Okay, we got to take one more break. We'll be back. All right, just gonna wrap up here. A couple of minutes to wrap up. I. Appreciate <laughs> three running three three people through a show gets a little bit hectic. Um, a couple of people texted me to ask Ryan some questions I didn't get to, and I you know what I, one was kind of a deep dive from Nathan, and the other one from from Patrick was probably a good question. Um, it's also so he would if he was elected, he'd be a rookie assemblyman. So think about think about going to a job for the first time, and, and this is Patrick's question. Uh, Ask Ryan if he will commit to a declare Wisconsin's legislature part time and be paid for the time that they're actually in session, and b work year round to address the issues, not gabbling out. Okay, so either well, e- either be part time or, or work year round, I guess. So you can't have both, Pat. Um, but but it is a good question. But also think about if you went to a job for the you're you're a new hire, you go to this job, and then you just like. You get on, I don't know, you get, I, I don't know how, because obviously the workplace works a little different than the state legislature. So you're, you're not going to get a, a media opportunity or be able to declare something through a campaign email or something like that. But, but it would be weird if you just start, start blowharding at your new job about how, yeah, you guys, we don't even work 40 hours a week, so we should just be paid half <laughs> or we should just be paid as a part-time legislature and only punch in and out while we're, we're at work, so I, I think uh, I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put that on a, a rookie assembly person at this point. But it, it's it's worth it's worth asking Steve Doyle if I have Steve Doyle or Jill Billings on because they've been around for a decade and you know uh, they could they could speak to that. But Ryan even even talked about how when they're out of session they're actually working pretty hard. But I like to pretend it's a ten month vacation. Um, the other question was from Nathan. He said, tax cuts for businesses is not the answer. Tax deductions for capital investments or depreciable assets adds to everyone's opportunities. And Nathan, I've tried to talk about the economy twice this week. And whatever you're talking about there, Econ 101, I didn't even take that. And it's a little beyond me. So um, I don't know. William, did you hear that answer? Yeah. On on taxes. William Garcia, the Lacrosse County Democratic Party chair. We're, we're, we're going to record a podcast here. I have literally one minute, William. But tax cuts. So we're talking about. Uh, sure. And they want to give rich people more money and pretend that it increases the uh, uh, the. <laughs> the economic opportunity and trickle down economics does not work. We've been doing some version of it since the eighties. It's what's led to the current uh, system that we have of extremely rich people and everyone else. Well, a flat tax has been floated and that's, that would benefit rich people more than poor people, right? Far more than rich, 
far more. It's and, a, a flat tax is a regressive tax. And it absolutely. Would, and it would be devastating to we have a five billion dollar budget surplus. So some for some reason we have that. But a flat tax would be devastating to, um, you know, the the state's ability to the normal to, people in this in the state. Well, yes. e- even the state's funding. Then when we want to fund things like fix the roads, to, that would be severely depreciated. Right. I mean, I think that with the with the bu- budget surplus we have, I think there are rooms for some targeted tax cuts. But it should be to help ordinary Wisconsinites, not like, you know, millionaires. Right. All right, that's all the time I have for today. Tomorrow, UW Lacrosse political science professor Dr. Anthony Chergoski. Um coming up Monday podcast is with Steve Doyle. Is that the one? No, no, no. Uh, with Representative Mark Pocan. Oh, on Monday, that's the one yep. we're releasing. Yep. All right, Mark Pocan on Monday. All right, thanks everybody for listening. Hi, I'm Ken Cooper, host of the podcast Around River City. I've got an invitation for you to listen in to my conversations with the people that make it so cool to live in and around River City. Subscribe at AroundRiverCity.com or anywhere you get your podcasts.